Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm your host, Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again, the whole gang, Richie Schneiderite, Craig Epstein, Chris Nowaski. We're here to talk primarily about Rutgers' thrilling 65-62 win last night against Northwestern on the road. We're also going to talk a little bit of uh, football recruiting updates. But this game, man, I was – first of all, it's a 9 o'clock start, so uh, a little hard to, to stay up for the whole thing, even though I'm, even, even though I'm not a night owl myself. But uh, let's kick it right to Craig. What did you think of this game overall? Honestly, at the end of the day, man, it's just Cam Spencer, Cam Spencer, Cam Spencer. I mean, once again, I mean, he hit the big-time Purdue shot, gave him the big win there, and now Rutgers, now he gave him kind of this win here. I mean, things were kind of going sour for Rutgers in those last eight-so minutes. Basically, they found that it feels like they found themselves in the double bonus like the entire second half. So it was kind of like an uphill battle. Like Rutgers, when you find yourself like that, it's kind of hard to play defense, but Rutgers kind of, kind of stayed afloat till that fine. Even, you know, even when I think Northwestern, they took a four about that four point lead with like a little over a minute to go. And was just like, ah, oh, man, this kind of, even though Rutgers is a team that kind of, you know, thrives off of, you know, being doubted. It was like, this one kind of felt like it was slipping away from them, but then they just answered back and Cam hit that big shot and gave him the win. And not to be forgotten, even though he's obviously such the great free throw shooter, he's hit those, he nailed those two big free throws at the end. Just clutch ice in his veins is just, man, Everybody was kind of coming, like even me, even coming to the season, was like, who's going to be the guy to take that last shot down the stretch, those big shots? And, man, Cam Spencer has proven that he can he can take them and make them in spades because he has been he's been he's been an assassin, honestly, for the last last couple of games. So credit to Cam, credit to Rutgers, big-time win. Onions. onions, that's right. Gammy onions. <laughs> All right, what about Chris? What do you think of this game? Yeah, I mean, going, going back to that, I mean – the last play they did was 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 really good. I mean, a lot of people always talk about how Rutgers, you know, never runs an offense, and I, I was one of those guys. I never really thought they were in an offense, but um, if you actually took a took a deep dive into into the last play, um, you know, play, I mean, Paul Pickle, uh, Paul McKay had the ball on the top of the key. Uh, Cliff Cliff O'Murray was setting the screen. He rolled to the rim. Um, they had two defenders kind of go toward Cliff, and then Paul uh, passed it around the perimeter to Cam, and he he knocked it down. Um, you know, Cam had six threes last night. You know, he scored a, a season high, I think it was, 23 points. So um, he's like – he's shooting like almost 70% the last five games from from uh, three-point land. So um, he's obviously uh, – you know, Craig mentioned the free throws. I don't think – I think he's only missed one free throw all year. I think he's like 35, you know, for 36 or something like that. So um, he's uh, he's, uh, he's been a knockdown shooter. Um, you know, he obviously has played, you know, good defense as well. Um but it is, you know, even even other than Cam there at the end. I mean, Rucker started getting rebounds late. Um, they got a lot of second chance points. Andre Hyde had a had a key rebound, kicked out of Cam for for a three. Um, Cliff O'Murray had a had a nice block uh, in the paint on Nicholson. I, th- I think it was. Um, you know, he got some tough rebounds near the end. So uh, Rutgers really battled this one, you know, till the end. I think they led for like thirty four minutes of the game though, so they were kind of in control until Northwestern made their little run, but. Um, you know, Rutgers punched back. I mean, when I mean, I'm sure everyone thought when Northwestern made that bang three to go up six two fifty eight, they thought the game was over. But 
Um, you know, obviously Rutgers was able to come back and, uh, you know, steal a win here. Quad quad one win on the road. Uh, you know, obviously Northwestern coming in was, was playing fantastic and, you know, Rutgers was able to get the win there. And you know what's also crazy is that now this it's kind of like this quad win kind of replaces the Indiana. I think that was a, that was a quad win at the at the time, right? Because but now mm-hmm. Indiana's kind of hitting Indiana's kind of hit a free fall now, so that win doesn't really look as impressive as it was when they did it. But now this win kind of I guess was one kind of ship sinks, another mm-hmm. one rises, and Rutgers now has an has another has a quad one win on their another quad one win on their resume. Yeah, so before last night's drubbing at Penn State, Indiana still was barely a quad one win. Now they are just barely outside of being a quad one win. So it's still a good win. It's it's a quad two win, but obviously you want to have as many quad one wins as possible. Rutgers has eight quad one games remaining on the schedule, so there's plenty more opportunity to get more additional quad one wins starting this Sunday at Jersey Mike's at 2.30 against the hated Ohio State Buckeyes. Rutgers seeking revenge in that one. But let's talk a little bit more about this game. I was just blown away by the team uh, efficiency from beyond the arc in general. Rutgers went 11 for 18 from beyond the arc. Obviously, that's buoyed by Cam Spencer going six for seven. Mm-hmm. The rest of the team, I mean, they were five for, uh, what, five for 11? That's almost 50% from three. Uh, I thought there was just a lot of clutch playmaking down the stretch. Like, there were so many times where Rutgers could have wilted. Uh, we've talked about specifically the, the banked three-point shot with a little bit over a minute left, but Northwestern up four. Uh, Cam answered back with his own bank shot of his own. Um, but there was just – we've talked about this bit, but conspiracy mics coming out. <laughs> well, that's this good. game was just a tale of two halves, officiating-wise. The first half, Rutgers didn't have a foul called against them for the entire first 14 minutes. <laughs> the second half, they had eight fouls in the first 11 minutes. They they were calling stuff entirely differently in the second half versus the first half. I don't know if they get tapped at halftime saying, you know, let's get this one close. I don't know what referees, you know, use what sports book, maybe look into that. But that game, it, it was like if you started that game at the second half and said, this is from last year, this would be fine. Like if you want to officiate a game a certain way, set the tone early. So teams know where what buttons they can press, where they can go, where they can't go, what they can get away with, what they can't. When you When you start calling the game differently in the second half, it totally throws off everybody. So Rutgers really got fucked there in the second half, and sorry for the language, but they, they were in the double bonus squat with like eight minutes left. Yeah, yeah, le- yeah. So like, I'm gonna take off. Seven point two. Used to get later. <laughs> you really just apologize for language yeah, after Rutgers, everything I say on this podcast. <laughs> I've been trying to clean it up a little bit. Um, I don't know. This is everything. Might like ah, we, I love it, but why do you use such foul, cursed language? <laughs> Why are you cussing? It's like, anyway. all right, relax, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll add on to that, Mike. I know Pickle was asked about it after the game, and, uh, and he basically said he he can't tell his guys, you know, how to play or what to do and everything like that. So, um, but you know, he always says can't defend the free throw line. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, the game obviously was called in two different two different ways, two different halves. Um, yeah, I mean. Uh, Rutgers or uh, uh, Northwestern was in the double bonus with 7:22 left. They were in the bonus uh, at the at the 12 minute mark. So in the, in the second half. So yeah, I mean it was hard. I mean a Northwestern gets to the free throw line a lot, and even Pico said during one of the later timeouts that you know you can't foul, you can't get Northwestern to the free throw line because uh, Northwestern, other than probably Nicholson, has been a has been a, has been a pretty good free throwing scene, free throwing free throw shooting team this season. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm looking for. I saw Brian posted a uh, thing about the uh, Brian Fonseca posted about the fouls. It was like Rutgers wasn't called for like a foul in the first 14 minutes, and then I think they're called for like 11 or something in the in the in like the next 15 or something. I don't know some crazy some crazy stat, and it's just like yeah, that was not one of the best officiated games I've seen. I mean, I I did I mean I I liked it early on when it seemed like they were letting them kind of play, be physical, because that's Rutgers style of basketball. That's really Big Ten style of basketball is physical, down low, kind of rough and tough kind of play, which I like, I kind of like watching. And so, but then in the second half, it just completely flipped. I mean, it felt, the second half almost, honestly, like the second half almost became unwatchable. It felt like every, every two seconds just felt like it was a Rutgers foul. And it's just like, it's just, just from a viewer standpoint, this is just, just brutal to watch. And then it's just like, and from, I guess from a Rutgers standpoint is like, it's so difficult to defend when, like I said, when you're in the double bonus with like eight minutes to go and every feels like every two seconds of fouls being called. But, uh, you saw Paul Mulcahy kind of took up, uh, took exception with it a lot. He kind of saw him, uh, getting pretty angry there, which I mean, yeah, I, I understand his anger, but at the same time, it's like, you know, it's not his. This isn't his first year in the Big Ten. You, we've seen over the years how kind of the officiating can go in Big Ten, and they don't typically <clears throat> reward players who complain like that a lot. So it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. And honestly, like the the flapping calls were just so annoying. Honestly, like the first, like the first one. Okay, I can kind of get that, but the one, the one where Paul shot the three and made it and kind of mm-hmm. went down, and they called the flapping call. And I was just like, come on, just like just let them like. Yeah. Okay. Maybe he flopped, but it's like, it didn't affect the play. It's not affecting the game. Just like, mm-hmm. just let it go. Let them continue to play. Because as we saw this game come down, came down to a couple points. And it's like, those could, those could have easily, those could have easily played a, that could have easily played a role in, you know, if Rutgers lost this game. So it's like, it's, I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's like, I wish sometimes they would just, just let the guys play on because that's the style that the big 10 is. All right. I have a theory, Mike, yeah. put on the super comfortable hat again. <laughs> hear me out when you look at the box score right number one thing that you look at it's 29 to 24 at half that equals 54 right correct i believe nope I, 53 no, uh, 50, 53 whatever. 53 i'm bad at math um, i failed math in college at one point i'm not going to bring that back up ever again if you do t- times that by two what does that equal quick maths 106. 106. What was the opening law over under for this game? 126 and a half. What did it finish at? 127. You got to make the fucking over under hit. So you fucking call (laughs) this, you call that, you call that one. Look at that flop. He didn't even move, but sure, that's a flop. And then there you go. Quick, there's your conspiracy. Plug the uh, our our advertisement, our betting. And that's was, via, via bet online. Yeah, it was also <laughs> it was also like one of the lowest over unders of the night as well. Like if you're looking at the whole college basketball <laughs> landscape, um, mm-hmm. I actually put my buddy on uh, Rutgers and uh, the over as a, <laughs> as a parlay, and uh, things weren't looking too hot at halftime. I think it was, it was total of like you said fifty three, and it finished at one twenty seven. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do want to talk more about the free throw shooting in general of this team. Aaron Brightman. Put out an article recently on this, uh, on the Scarlet uh, Faithful um, about how this is on pace to be Rutgers' best free throw shooting year it, as a team in like 50 years. So Rutgers is shooting as a team 
74% from the line this year. It's buoyed a lot by, obviously, Cam Spencer. Last year, we shot 70% from the line. The year before that, we shot 63%. The year before that, we shot 64%. There's clearly been an emphasis. I know we, we bitched and moaned about this for how long under Pike, about how bad the free throw shooting was as a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's clearly made leaps and strides. The, the really exciting thing is we have a, a knockdown free throw shooter now in Cam Spencer. So anytime mm-hmm. there's a tech... Anytime there's like, you know, a, a flagrant one or a flagrant two, we know who's going to the line. It's like a really nice baked in little advantage that Rutgers has. Uh, because not many, uh, he, I think he, I want to say he's leading the nation in free throw percentage. Not 100% sure on that. But I mean, I think it's hard <laughs> to compete with a guy who's only missed once all year in, in high volume. Um, I do want to talk about the defense last night. I thought Rutgers at times played incredible lockdown defense. We, we definitely benefited from Northwestern just being ice cold. I think they were one for 10 in the first half from the three-point three, uh, three point line, and then they started mm-hmm. to heat up, obviously, down the stretch. Um, Chris, tell me what, what, what you thought about Rutgers' defensive performance last night. Yeah, I thought they played – obviously, they played a good job. I mean, coming into the game, talking about the over-under, both teams uh, were were one and two in the conference in terms of uh, scoring the scoring defense, so – um, you knew it was kind of be kind of be like a rock fight, uh, and it, it, it kind of was at times. Um, but um, you know, I I, th- I think Rutgers play play well on defense. Um, they kind of, you know, um, they um, sorry, I was I lost, I lost my train of thought. They uh, they they did a good job. You know, you know, Boo Boo and uh, Chase Odies coming into the game were were playing phenomenally, and um, you know, I I think Chase Odies uh had was shooting like an incredible clip coming. In. I forget the exact number, but I remember writing about it. Um, and you know, they did a good job. I mean, they missed shots, obviously, like you said, they got cold, you know, Iowa last time, uh, was making all their threes, but, um, you know, Rutgers did a good job. They did, um, they did a good job rebounding. So, uh, I think they just did, think that they did a good job overall. Um, they kind of, they kind of, they were very aggressive in terms of what they did in terms of their, uh, their ball handles, uh, ball, uh, handoffs, sorry. Uh, but, um, other than that, they, uh, they did a good job. Yeah, I would just think defensively, this is kind of the game we expected. This is the number one team in the Big Ten defensively versus the number two team in the Big Ten defensively. So if you told if you told me going into this thing, the final score would be 60-something to 60-something, I'd have been like, yeah, of course. It's kind of what we expected. And uh, to be honest, I can't think of any, like, I could, either side offensively, I think, did a terrible job. I think it's just more credit to just their defenses that they're just suffocating. I mean, you saw Rutgers throughout kind of the second half was trying to cut off those uh, handoffs. And it, early on, it felt like it kind of bit them in the butt a little bit from time to time. But then as the mm-hmm. game wore on, I kind of felt like they started doing a better job. They started getting more more and more physical with that. And they were able to do and they were able to, to kind of do so. I mean, like you said, Boo Booey, Chase uh, Adige are just two very good shooters, very good offensive players. And they kind of did their thing. Uh, but credit, I guess credit to Rutgers that they just, it, it wasn't enough. And Northwestern didn't, didn't at the end of the day, Northwestern, didn't didn't do an I don't think didn't didn't do enough to come away with the win. I mean, it, and at the end of the day, it just came down to who can make that last that last shot, and 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 it was Cram Spencer. So credit to him, credit to Rutgers. Yeah, I think they did a great job scouting um, Northwestern. They clearly identified Bubui and Chase Aldiz as two guys that you have to kind of contain because they don't really have a deep bench. Um, they held them to a combined eight of twenty five shooting, three of thirteen from three. 25 points combined. Um, 
they did a great job locking them up at different points. You know, we, we did a bad job of boxing out. I felt on the, on the rebounding end. Um, they, I think, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if you guys noticed this too. A few times, like we didn't really play great help defense last night. We were getting a lot mm-hmm. of guys kind of slipping in behind screens for wide open layups and dunks. I think that's something we really need to clean up. I don't know if it's an effort thing or if a lot of guys are banged up right now, but I don't think a, a bunch of our guys are playing at 100%. And that's where, you know, it shows up on defense, giving that last little bit of effort, going up for, you know, a, a block attempt. Like, we play great defense, but I think it's clear that uh, there's certain guys struggling right now with hell, if I had to guess. Yeah. Yeah, I know I know they played a lot of zone last night, mm-hmm. too, so maybe that also affects in terms of how they had the rebound. Um, but I know Cliff. Cliff, a lot of times he kind of he kind of bothered me a, a little bit in terms of you know, like how much he hedged the ball carrier, uh, the ball handler, and then and then Nicholson was able to easily get to the rim for points. I feel like Cliff uh, was kind of too over overly aggressive in that in, in in that regard. But yeah, uh, I thought he got lost on switches a lot too. I, he mm-hmm. he ended up like on like guards at the like beyond the arc like way more times than he should have. And sometimes he was able to recover, getting back into the into the into the paint. But other times there was just like wide open guys getting behind Cliff. So lots yeah. of clean up from this game. But a win on the road in the Big Ten is a win, especially when it's a quad one win. Uh, I think they're it, six it, and five in their last eleven home games too, right? Yeah, I, I put that out there because I saw somebody said that, but I think they were counting the Ohio State game. So at hmm. worst, we're five and six in the last eleven, which is still good. I, I hate hmm. people that do that. Like, okay. Yeah, I got two things to nitpick. Right, right there, what you just said. Everyone on the board just saying it too. It's like, yeah, and count the Ohio State win. No, it's a loss. You it's have to get yeah. over it. And it of sucks. The day, it, it blows. But what are you going to do? There's nothing. There's literally nothing you can do at this point. And then going back to the injury thing, I know um, people like to speculate that Cliff's injured, which I don't think he is. I think he's just gassed, man. They they played what four games in ten days, and this man's played 35, 34, 34, 34. He's playing the entire game. And it's four games in yep. a ten day span. Like he's tired as fuck. Like mm-hmm. just let him uh yeah. let him I mean he's gotta get some rest eventually. Um but this Big Ten schedule, that's just how it sets up and it's it's game after game after game after game and it's gonna be tough because you gotta bounce right back and uh you, you do get a nice little break here, three days and then what is the next one? Then you get a four day break and then you get a nice five day break again. So I mean you're just not going to get those breaks like that. Like this is just a little bit of a gauntlet right here, and they're playing well, they're winning games, but I think mm-hmm. you, people are overthinking the Cliff injury thing. Yeah, is he going a little slower? Yeah, he's tired as shit. Like, yeah, I'd be I tired. Find it, I find it. I'm finding it interesting that Reber seems to have taken the the backup duties. I felt like Wolfolk. I mean, it wasn't yeah. perfect, but I felt like he was. He's. I don't know. He impressed me. I mean, his offensive game might not be there yet, but he bound. You know, he. he I guess he like. Bang, he's out there banging bodies. Oh, don't clip that, Richie. He's out there. <laughs> but he, he's out there doing his thing. He gets rebounds, and and I don't know. I just I just find I just find it surprising. I mean, I guess Reaper does offer a little bit more of an offensive game, but it, I don't know. I just felt like Wolfolk was doing well as the backup. So we'll see. I, there's a there's a funny Charles Barkley clip clip from inside the NBA, and he's just like, yeah, when yeah. you have to when you bang in a guy. And then everyone yeah. just like dies. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. But, but that's, that's just yes, yeah. I've seen it. Yep. Um, no, but yeah, but yeah. I, go on. No, sorry. Go ahead. The, the rebirth thing, like they're like everyone wants to say, like yeah, he's a better offensive player. But uh, I see five games. He has zero point or three points, zero points, two points, zero points, two points. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. you can say he's a better offensive player, but he also has 
one rebound in the past four games. So I'm telling you right now, Wolfolk, yep. when he's getting in there, is not going to have one rebound. He'll have several. Whether that be three or four, I just think he's the better player, and I think he's higher upside. I don't know if it's like a loyalty thing or Pike just prefers the veteran guy over the, the freshman who will probably make a freshman mistake, but it's a tough one. I, I think Wolfolk's better. Oh. I'm wondering if it's because he fouls too much. I'm looking at his game lines. Happens. So he's played eight mm-hmm. minutes in the last four games. So if you look at his Purdue line, he played five minutes. He had no shots. <clears throat> he had two free throws. He had three fouls in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you look at Maryland, he played two minutes. Against Iowa, he played one minute, got a foul. Then if you look at his other games, against Coppin's data won't count because that was a total blowout. He played a lot in the second half. But against Bucknell, Suck it, Sam he played Sussman. nine minutes. Yeah, he played nine minutes and three fouls. I wonder if it's just that he can't trust him to go out there and play defense without without hacking. Like, albeit like, in, in Purdue, he had one that wasn't a foul where he was guarding Edie, and he had like a really good slip around him to, to swat the ball away. They called a foul, but I, I I think he's just still learning a lot about playing basketball at the, at the Big Ten level. Mm-hmm. And you expect that out of a true freshman who played football basically as his main sport until like two years ago. So I think he's got to learn that mentality of like use your physicality, but not all the time, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, I was wondering I, this I, last I, night too, because Reaver, I, I thought had some really bad play um, last night against the, uh, against mm-hmm. Northwestern. He was a total liability out there at points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I actually kind of, I kind of, I kind of like your, th- your theory there. I know Pykele, Pykele mentioned, uh, Actually, yesterday about how Northwestern gets to the free throw line a lot, and they and they're a good free throw shooting team. So maybe they had a lot a lot to do with it, you know, keeping keeping Wolfolk on the bench and not picking up fouls. Um, I mean, maybe maybe North, Northwestern would have had more fouls in the first half if, if Wolfolk played, and then uh, more guys, you know. So I mean, who who knows what could happen there? I think they did Northwestern miss eight free throws yesterday, though. So I guess if you're looking at it from a Northwestern yeah. perspective. They're kind of where I guess Rutgers fans were a couple years ago, where it's like you're mm-hmm. tearing your hair up and like you gotta make a, a free throw. A lot of them, a lot of them were the one guy uh, Nicholson. Now he missed. That's true. Uh, like at least five of them. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Interesting stat though. So Cliff, freshman year, averaged two point zero fouls per game. Wolfolk right now one point nine. So it, okay. it's, it's eerily he's similar. Not, it's, he's probably also not playing as much. Um. At the beginning, like this, this was kind of like Cliff's minutes were one minute, two minutes, five minutes, nine mm-hmm. minutes, nine minutes, seven minutes, eight mm-hmm. minutes, five minutes, four minutes. Like. And then, and then Cliff got hurt. Too, yeah. So. so it's 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 kind of similar, yeah. I would say. Like he's just got to learn. Like. Hmm. So we'll see. Yep. So <clears throat> we have a, a huge tilt on Sunday against Ohio State um, at home. Anybody who can be there should definitely be there. I think it's going to be. Arguably the best environment of the season, given that Rutgers fans have been foaming at the mouth to get another shot at the Buckeyes, given the uh, the screw job in, in Columbus. So uh, I think it's a safe bet to bet Rutgers in that one. I was looking at Bart Torvik's uh, expected line, and they have Rutgers at minus three at the, with the look-ahead line. I think that's hmm. probably r- right around what it'll come in at. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'll be betting that. You guys can't because you're – living in Jersey, but uh, <laughs> hit me up on the side if you're trying to actually get some action on that game. Um, I'm going to have so many comments now on the YouTube and investment board. <laughs> Wait, Mike, how much? Yeah. Can, I, can you give me my bookie? Yeah, I promise <laughs> I'll just take a little bit of VIG for myself. Yeah, a little much. bit off the top. Nothing mm-hmm. else. Yeah, just skim mm-hmm. the cream. Um, <laughs> so I, th- I think we'll probably have something before the Ohio State game to, 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 talk, to, to kind of dive deeper into it. We were, we were planning on talking uh, the – 
the offensive coordinator press conference today, but that got pushed back uh, due to a scheduling conflict, right? Is that what they said? Yeah, it's a um, scheduling so, conflict. Richie, let's talk about that. What could that be about? <laughs> well, hear me out. Why would that get pushed back? Uh, if you look at the flight patterns, they all got shut down recently. I don't know what the reason was. I forget that I didn't really care to read the article. Uh-huh. I read the title like everyone else does on Facebook and all these other apps. And um, conspiracy theory is Greg is somewhere around the country looking for his offensive line coach. Could it be Minnesota with Callahan? Could it be Florida it be? with that Clay Patterson dude at South Florida? Could it be down the street? And he's at Augie <laughs> Hoffman's trying to beg him back. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's probably not happening. Probably not. But, but yeah. I do agree. <laughs> He's probably out doing some kind of recruiting, whether it be transfer portal recruiting that's, yeah. or uh, coaching yeah. recruiting. And it, it could be but it is strange that know, it too. changed. Right? Yeah, that's true. He could still be getting his uh, affairs in order. Um, yeah. To, to be fair, that's just something like, we wanted to touch on. He, kinda, he has a house on the East Coast still, and it's like, all right, dude, like, you should probably have some clothes or something over here, so you should be fine if you're him. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, it, who knows what it is? There's so many possibilities. It, I'm going to go with probably he's out there talking to offensive line coaches or tight ends coaches or whatever. So, And I think, honestly, his flight probably got messed up, delayed or something, and they're like, you know what, let's just do this Monday. Like, This is easier. Mm-hmm. So Monday, I don't know what time yep. exactly. I think it was – is it two? I think I think it's at two. Okay. So. Yeah. So, looking forward to that. We'll see. You, uh, any questions for Kirk? Submit them below, and uh, I'll ask within reason. Um, like I said last pod, don't ask me about to ask about his previous stint at Rutgers, or I guess to an extent. I, I, I might do that. I'll be honest. Oh, there like, I might, hey I might man, you got fired. How did it feel? Like, what, did it really take one point four mil to work for the guy that fired you? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's talk some recruiting. Uh, we have a, a, a class of 23 visitor this weekend. Uh, the wide receiver from Texas. And we have a, a big junior day this weekend as well. Richie, let's let's get the rundown first on the 23 recruit that's visiting and then the, the junior day. All right, so uh, first off, Ishmael Smith-Flores, Texas uh, native. Plays down at Martin High School. Um He's unranked currently, but he's a big, tall body receiver, something that Rutgers currently doesn't have since uh, since Sean Ryan's gone. Uh, he's 6'6", 210. That's a legit uh, measurement. I think we, I believe it's from his rival's camp. Uh, at, I don't know where the hell we had it last year. Somewhere in Texas. But uh, So he's an intriguing one. His dad's at Iowa Hall of Famer. He took an official visit to Iowa, took an official visit to Michigan State. Didn't end up committing to either of those. It sounds like he's not a take for either of those at the moment either. So he's going to visit uh, Rutgers this weekend. He just got a Nebraska offer. He's going to visit Nebraska next weekend. Now, what's the connection to Rutgers? Where the hell is Rutgers recruiting Texas? Put the hat on. His hat is getting a lot of use today. Mm-hmm. Who was on our – which board was it? Hold on. Who was on our offensive line coach board? Or maybe it was the other board. One of the boards had a guy that was connections to Texas and Oklahoma. I think it was Clay Patterson. It was so Clay I'm going to stop you there. This kid is Deion Jennings' cousin. I know, but I'm getting to it. Okay. Hold on. I, <laughs> and he's Julio Glaude's cousin, too. But we'll ignore that for okay. the time being. I didn't get to that one yet. So now, this guy, Clay Patterson, was the tight ends coach for several years under Kirk Soraka. He was also uh, – he's a Texas native. He was also coaching down at Texas, um, some weird A&M Kingsville. It's like their Rutgers Camden or whatever. He was also coaching a community college down there. 
He was also coaching Northeastern Oklahoma A&M, which is like one of the biggest JUCOs down there. Hear me out. Clay Patterson is your tight end coach. So Clay Patterson, uh, just to add some color here, just got hired on December 22nd as USF's tight end coach. Yeah, but you could steal him. So it would be another uh, – We've yeah, we've seen that that doesn't really matter. But at the same time, um, professionally, it's probably not the best move to, to do this. So I, I would say Clay Patterson – Looks like a good candidate, but uh, just wanted to let you guys know he did just get a new job. Wasn't like Manny Diaz like Temple's head coach or who's who's head coach was he? Wasn't it him that like left within was, like seconds? He was Temple's head coach. And he left for Miami within like two weeks. <laughs> yeah, so. so yeah, if he can do it, you can definitely steal one from South Florida. But uh, speaking of tight ends coaches, didn't Andy Souter just get the tight ends coach position at uh, Minnesota? Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota, yeah. So, sure did. As Joe Biden mm-hmm. once said, Minnesota! Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I love that meme. That's um, a good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, he's related to De- Deion Jennings and Coyle Glaude. I don't think it's first cousins. I could be wrong on that. Um, but mm-hmm. he's, he is definitely related to him. So that's going to play a factor. But uh, I think Nebraska is going to be tough to beat here, especially because they're getting that last official visit before signing day. And that's usually a sign, so to speak. Um, he did also, I think he got like two other power five offers recently too. He's been kind of blowing up a little bit. Um, obviously schools want to fill up their recruiting classes and try to add the best possible players, uh, heading into the second signing period. So we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, he'll be on campus this weekend and we'll get more from that. But, uh, there's also fans aren't going to be happy about this one or hoops fans won't be because half that student sessions getting taken up on Sunday. (laughs) That, that that really does suck. Unfortunately, well, here's the thing: it sucks in the sense that the environment is going to be, you know, a few decibels lower probably than it should be. Mm-hmm. But if we have a huge win, that is like, do you remember how good the uh, the first class for Shiano was? Like right before COVID hit, you know, Shiano the first the last experience those juniors had at a college campus was like that Seton Hall basketball game. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. so exciting, just like an electric environment. And they couldn't really do anything through the entire pandemic. So Rutgers was able to really leave a strong impression about what Rutgers college experience could be like. A lot of these kids, even though this, hope, fingers crossed, this is not another pandemic. I'm not going to put the, 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 the tinfoil hat back on for this, but <laughs> um, this will be such a great environment for these kids to see. And a lot of them, it'll be their first introduction to Rutgers some of them have been to games before, but some of them haven't. So this is a totally like nuclear type of atmosphere. I think the benefits outweigh the the, the decibel levels being a few lower, personally. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. Now that being said, some big name recruits coming to campus. Like yeah. number yep. sixty overall in twenty twenty five, Anthony Saka. Number ninety eight overall in Yasin Willis in twenty twenty four. Number one fifty three overall mm-hmm. in Darian Dupree who's coming from Illinois. There's uh, Deshaun Dotson, who's a four-star to Pennsylvania. Zafir Stewart's a massive offensive tackle out of Pennsylvania. Um, there's just a – I can keep going on and on and on. Like, there's just Colin Coverley, like Cooper Ackerman. Teddy Foster's the one I'm going to keep a really close eye on. So he's been to campus this summer. Um, he's got a really close relationship. Uh, he's, out, he's out of Cardinal Mooney. So Cardinal Mooney is the high school Drew Lascari used to coach. So there's a really close bond there. The fact that he paid his own way to come up from Florida in the summer is interesting. And it seemed like he was actually kind of close to committing back then. Now he's going to come up for another visit. 
that atmosphere you were just mentioning could just put it over the edge on top of the visit and facilities and blah, 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 blah. So that's one to keep a real close eye on. But uh, for the rest, I think it's more or less, it's just like their first, maybe second time on campus. Jacin Willis, is it's huge to get him back on campus because it sounds like yeah. he wants to stay close to home too. Um, mm-hmm. That would be ginormous for Rutgers. So, yeah, Yassine Willis is a top 100 kid in the country. He's a St. Joe's uh, Montvale kid, right? Yes, correct. Yep. So Augie's old school, the, the school that produced uh, Audric uh, Esteme. Like, mm-hmm. They have, a, they have a, a really good running back room there. It's kind of mm-hmm. wild. And his teammate, uh, 2025 running back, also four-star, John Forrester, is also going to be on campus. So really, contrary to popular belief, they could still recruit Big North people without the Big North connections. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's going to be a fun list. Um, quick note on Anthony Saka. His uncle played quarterback at Rutgers in the 90s, but unfortunately his dad played quarterback mm-hmm. for Penn, Penn State, State in yeah. the 90s as well, and he got drafted uh, by the Cardinals. So Yeah, uh, I'll be honest with that one. If I, if I had to peg where he's going, it's, it's like very heavy Penn State lean. But to get him on campus, you, you never know. You never know. He's also got offers from, like, everywhere in the country. He's going to be a, a tough pull regardless. If it's yeah. not Penn State, Georgia, or One of them. Know, Michigan. Yeah. But I, I would keep a close eye on Teddy Foster, I'm telling you. I, it would not shock me if Rutgers gets another 2024 commit um, to join Kenny Jones, who will also be on campus this weekend recruiting. I know basketball recruits uh, just kind of, like, pop up last second. Are you hearing any visitors for the basketball on the basketball side? Um, no, nothing new on hoops. Um, Darian Sutton, I spoke with yesterday again. He was just telling me about, uh, about the visit. He liked it a lot. Um, obviously didn't go Rutgers way, but, uh, it it was, it was still a good visit. Got to talk to the staff, enjoy, uh, enjoy everything about it. Now, I don't know how hard they're actually pushing for him. I mean, it's, it's crazy to say that with a top, what, 130 kid in the past. It's like, wow, 130, like. Oh my God, he's going to go to Rutgers. Yep. That's huge. And it's like, no, not anymore. Mm-hmm. Now it's a little different here, buddy. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, he liked to visit a lot. They're going to keep a close eye on him. Uh, they're still monitoring big men uh, targets. Uh, they want to get jo- Juice Limboto on campus. Now he has some logistics to work out in terms of his off the court stuff, uh, but they really do want to get him on campus. They're a big fan of him. So <laughs> even though they're over the scholarship limit, te- technically already for next year with Ndongu's commitment, they're still pursuing another uh, prospect. So that tells you either one of two things. Someone's transferring out or Cliff's gone a hundred percent. Actually it would have to, they'd have to be both technically because you're over yeah. one mm-hmm. already. So mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be interesting. I don't really know uh, what's going to happen in that regard, but they definitely want a big man still, um, especially if Cliff leaves. If Cliff stays, which I think is still super unlikely, then maybe, maybe you don't need a big man, but for now it looks like they're going to p- pursue a big man. I think the cool thing about, you know, having a roster full of guys with potential too, because there's a few guys at the end of the, the bench right now who it's pretty obvious they're on scholarship. But they're probably, they don't really have a future at Rutgers. They're here mm-hmm. because they're good locker room guys or because we have mm-hmm. the extra scholarship, but having, you know, a developmental big, like look what we do with like Miles Johnson, his first couple of years, he redshirted. You rarely see a red shirt in college basketball, but he really needed that time to build up his body to get, acclimated to the, the whole grind of the college basketball season. And by the time, you know, his third year rolled around, he was a redshirt sophomore. He was one of the best bigs in the country and best bigs in the big 10. Mm-hmm. So it'd be nice to just like get a guy that Pike really likes to develop as that developmental big man that is coming in knowing, Hey, 
month, most likely you're going to redshirt. And there's nothing wrong with that. We want to get you to the point where Miles Johnson was, and you can point to that as a success story. So, um, yeah, just excited to have a developmental guy or two on the bench that uh, Pike can round out to the his full vision. Yeah, it seems like uh, like I keep saying this: the ceiling. There's what is it? The ceiling is the floor. The floor is the, the ceiling. Is some shit <laughs> the ceiling like is the roof. Ah, the whatever, ceiling is know, the roof. It's close enough. <laughs> yeah. But um, that's all I got in that regard. The transfer portal guy I want to touch on though, um, Damian Alford from Syracuse. Looks like Rutgers is showing interest in him. He's from, so he's originally from Montreal. Um, he went and played a year of high school down <clears> in Florida <throat> as mm-hmm. well. Um, so we've heard that story with Wesley, Wesley Bailey. I don't know if you've been able to reach out to him, Richie, but are you hearing anything going on in the portal right now? Haven't heard back from him yet, but I mean, he's a pretty big name. He had 400 something yards at Syracuse. Now, obviously the last Syracuse transfer wide receiver didn't work out as well. And still in the portal, actually, surprisingly enough. Oh, surprise. Yeah. Um, but, uh, he's, he's like a pretty damn good prospect, even out of high school. Like he had a ton of offers. I don't know how the hell he ended up yeah. at Syracuse. Maybe it wasn't committable in the end, but. Washington so State, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Oklahoma. Okay, gotcha. So he I originally mean, was a twenty-one, and then he reclassified to to clip twenty-twenty. Gotcha. So I, I haven't done a lot of uh, homework on this one, but uh, I know based on what I've who I've talked to, they're definitely pursuing him. They definitely want to get him on campus. I forget what day enrollment starts or oh my god starts. All right. Uh, next so week. I'm going to stop so. right here. Unfortunately, yeah, I just looked on Twitter. Oh. He's removed his name from the transfer portal. No, that was quick. All right. <laughs> I don't know what the hell happened there. Well, fast things move. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, he yeah, definitely so. did want him. I can tell you that much. So they're, they're pursuing My a receiver. Uh, like, let's just forget the last few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. He literally just... Ed, Richie, ed, edit, edit the last like five minutes out, please. Yeah, just <laughs> crop. <laughs> um, but no, they definitely want a receiver. It's clear as day. Like They want mm. one, at least, maybe two. They want a tight end. They got their tackle. They're looking at a couple DBs in the safety role, but it, you got to stop with the QB stuff. Like, I don't think it's happening. Unless, like, Simon leaves after spring, maybe they pursue one, but I don't see a quarterback coming in here right now. So I agree. I think, I think Kirk is going to get in, assess the situation. If we do add a quarterback, it's because Kirk has worked with these guys for the whole spring, realizes that he Fuck. doesn't have anybody there that he thinks can run his offense. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to land a guy in the second portal period. I don't think it's going to happen before the end of the spring, though, personally. Mm-hmm. I agree. Now, mind you, we'll probably see a couple new names on the roster in terms of uh, walk-ons. Maybe the lacrosse kid ends up walking on. Maybe uh, maybe yep. something Mike sent me yesterday might be leading towards a walk-on. Get the hat. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just you don't have to get the hat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to mention his name, but it, there might be a – Small school, um, college walk on receiver. Yeah. Not, not even going to blow him up. It worked but. really well with Brandon Sanders. Everyone knows that. So, mm-hmm. but uh, he, something to keep in he mind. He played quite a bit before he, he did. Um, actually, he played a lot more than I got hurt. I guess a lot more than I thought he would. Yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah, that's all. That's all I got for that. All right, guys. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. Was there anything we missed that we wanted to discuss before we sign off from anybody? Uh, you, you guys go first. I saw Kevin Warren took the uh, job with the Bears now. Was he the CEO, president, the, the Grand Pubo now, I guess? Peace. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't love the guy, but I, business-wise, he made some, some really good deals for the Big Ten. I think he led mm-hmm. us well. Um, wish him well at uh, the Bears and with the NFL. I saw some rumors 
that he was eyeing the NFL commissioner job when Goodell eventually steps down. This would be a good uh, launch, launch, or this would be a good springboard to that job. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully the job's not filled in by somebody like Gene Smith, though, because we don't need Ohio State getting any more favoritism in the Big Ten than they already <laughs> do. Um, contrary to popular belief, I, I will say that it was a great deal money-wise, but this motherfucker is going to make me buy Peacock. He's going to make me buy... What was the other one? There's Paramount or whatever. I'm going to have to buy all these goddamn streaming worked. apps now. Like, it's like, <laughs> just to watch one game. And it's yeah. like, yeah, I got to watch <laughs> Rutgers at noon on fucking Peacock TV. You're going mm-hmm. to watch it on the cock? No, Jesus. That's, oh, that's, Jesus. going to end the pod here now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think... I do have one oh, thing boy. I got to say still, unfortunately. I don't want to go any further after Craig's comment, but... Oh yeah, wait! You got to show your little uh, buddy you got. Now, right? uh, yeah, he's he's not happy. The right newest edition. Uh, uh, Is she near there? He's behind the gate, right behind the the potted plant, which she already knocked over. She's in the gulag now. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll go gulag. get her in a second. But though, I did want to mention before uh, we get non-seriousness on the pod, the D one uh, council announced two things yesterday. Two big things. Number one, they uh, approved the thing to turn all volunteer positions on baseball and softball into full-time coaching positions. So that's huge. Now these guys are able to go off campus. Now you can actually pay them a salary and actually maintain, retain and maintain a staff because it's extremely hard in college baseball when you're a volunteer and someone's like, hey, I'll pay you money. Like, yeah, that's, that's yep. a big difference. So that's huge. That's going to be July 1st. That's when that goes official. Um, so I fully expect Steve Owens and crew to – use that to their advantage. They already have a top 25 incoming class. They have yeah, lights was, coming. They yep. have, I don't know what the hell else they're doing out there. I think a scoreboard or a jumbotron or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Next up, they, they just fixed the press box. It's it's rough back there. It's like my beer punk table set up pretty much. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, there are some cold games too, man. That's why no one wants to mm-hmm. play in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. But uh, regardless, the other thing they approved was the transfer portal thing where it's like, you can't trans. it's going to be extremely hard to transfer twice now. So if you transfer once, you better pick a fucking location that you're going to stay at for at least a couple of years until you get into a graduate transfer state. Um, it's going to be extremely tough. Now that might've played a factor. I'm told with Devontae Walker and some others. We'll see, but, uh, it's definitely, um, Definitely going to be an interesting thing because now you can't have guys that are going here, 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 here. Oh, you're on your fourth school in five years. You're on your third school and wait, in, in one year, what the fuck? Um, but but no, it's it's going to be a lot harder to transfer more than once now. So just wanted to note that. Yep. Um, one last thing, I promise, guys. Uh, Rutgers basketball rankings. I'm going to run down a few of them. Uh, they're up to 18th in the net, 16th in Ken Palm. Uh, 12th in ESPN's Basketball Power Index, 12th in Saragin, and 12th in Bart Torvik. So Rutgers squarely in the field right now, probably around a five seed if I had to guess if, if the season ended today. But uh, I think I saw Cats had awesome them. Time. I mean, it's so it's so early to talk about, it, but it's just, you know, it's just fun. Is I think was it Cats or somebody had uh, Rutgers as a seven seed facing K- Kentucky in the first round. I think in like those. Mm. Man, I would love to just de-pants the Wildcats in, in the NCAA tournament. They are <laughs> terrible this year. I, I saw, I saw Brad Bucktell have I, – I think I think Rutgers was also seven seed going up against uh, Virginia Tech. Okay. Yeah, that's where it's tough. Kentucky would be interested in them. 
Um, so we'll close on this. Richie has a new member of his family. He's got on screen right now. Uh, Richie, tell Not us a, baby. a little about your friend. Uh, yeah. This is Sadie. Uh, I think she's nine and a half, ten weeks tomorrow or something like that. Little pupper, puppy. Um, little golden retriever, as you can see, very tired all the time. <laughs> um, only shit in the house once so far, so that's not bad. That's that's good. It's all, it hasn't been twenty four hours not yet. Under your supervision too, so that, that one you can't really put on you. I don't blame. Uh, I don't blame myself at all. Uh, luckily, she does not watch the pod, so this is this is good. Um, <laughs> I can talk all the shit I want now. Uh, I left her alone for about what half hour with with my girlfriend, and I come back and she shit on the floor. She tracked it all over. She stepped in it. She barked at me. I was like, "Wait, what the hell happened? I left you for like twenty minutes." Like, but no, she's she's great so far. Um, no accidents with me. She's so very adorable. Rich, I got Thank that. you. So and the, the red golden. I'm a big fan of the red golden. Oh yeah, the, I like uh, the darker the, ones. The white. Yeah. They're just so like. I thought when you told me the name Sadie, I thought maybe it was like a Sadie Sink reference to Stranger Things because ah, she has that red that red coat. See, all my friends, it's, it was it was tough naming because all my friends, I did this when I had a puppy a couple of years ago. And it's, I went on Instagram, I posted the name, and I'm like, nah, I don't like that name. I edited it like five times. They're like, dude, what mm-hmm. the hell is your dog's name? <laughs> and I'm like, well, it was Benji. Then it was this. And then it was, it was Buddy. And I was like, that was too basic. And I had to switch it. And then this and... I was like, all right, you know what? It's just Tucker. That's it. It's Tucker. And now, obviously, uh, this one I had to pick pretty quickly. And I was like, uh, okay, uh, Zadie. Good. That works. So You almost named her Penny, though, right? Let's almost, like man. Mike's cat. Yeah, almost. I kind of do it. Only one, uh, one name per pod here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we can't have, uh, can't have the same name pets. I don't think we're talking to them. Come through the speakers. Oh, yeah. Be a nightmare. That's all we need. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we've, we've said we're going to end it about three times now, but this time I'm actually going to do it. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. If you haven't already, like and subscribe. Rate us on your favorite podcasting app. Um, we really appreciate it. It helps more people find the show. Tell a friend who's not listening. If you're not listening at this point and you're a Rutgers fan, come on. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, but for me and the gang, this has been another edition of the Night Before Podcast. Signing up. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.